Welcome to Two Sets MC. I'm your host, Amobi Kugo. Each week, we'll be discussing topics from around the soccer world, and I'll be giving my thoughts from the perspective of a pro soccer player. We got my good friend, L, and we got a special guest for you, Rob Bow from Fitlight. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's a pleasure to have you, and we're excited to learn all about you. Well, thank you very much for having me uh, on the show. Congratulations on your uh, 10th episode uh, uh, um, milestone, if I uh, can say that. Um, yeah, I'm Rob. I'm from the Netherlands, 39 years old, uh, living and working in uh, the United States, Miami, Florida. I'm the director of sales for Fitlight uh, USA. And we have a company that produces uh, training equipment for all types of sports, for healthcare, and for tactical purposes. And our system is being used to train reaction time. It's sensory based, sorry, it's lights and a tablet to train your reaction time, your speed, your agility, and your cognitive functions. No, that's amazing. So tell us about, you know, how you got involved in soccer and how are you able to mesh the two when, with FitLight? Well, I'm from the Netherlands. Uh, <laughs> I grew up um, uh, watching soccer, obviously, um, from the south, from Eindhoven, where PSV obviously is the big team. It's not my team. I'm a big fan of Feyenoord Rotterdam. I uh, had season tickets for 19 years. Uh, basically, two weeks before I moved to the U.S., they uh, became champion for the first time in 18 years. Uh, so <clears throat> that was a big uh, uh, going away present for me. Uh, so, yeah, I grew up watching soccer, never played it, but um, um, watched it a lot. Uh, favorite team, final Rotterdam, favorite player all time is Robin van Persie. Um, mm. Obviously also played for Arsenal, where he, uh, <laughs> where he went to after final. Um, that's one side. The other side, uh, business-wise, I uh, got the opportunity to work with a distributor, from Fitlight that was actually based in Eindhoven, the Netherlands. Uh, so I got more familiar with the product. I was in sales in the Netherlands in the financial industry. Love technology, love sports in general, also uh, a lot of other sports uh, besides uh, soccer. And then there was a job opportunity because of opening up the US office in Miami. It's a Canadian based company. And I put one on one together. Um, didn't have anything to lose other than my friends and family. Uh, so I thought, uh, let's do it, take the chance. And that's over three years ago. No, that's amazing. So talk about the development, you know, because you came from, you know, the Dutch system, Holland, they're all about development. Fitlight, it seems like this is a game changer when it comes to helping develop talent, especially on the tactical side for soccer. Uh, correct. Uh, but it's 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 interesting to, to see how the U.S., for example, is way ahead when it comes to technology and sports compared to the Netherlands. Uh, even though the Netherlands is big in development, like you said, a lot of research is being done in the Netherlands. But money-wise, sports, money in sports, Netherlands is far, far, far behind. Obviously, back in the days... We were great in soccer. Um, we still are. We still are because we still develop great players and send them throughout the world. Um, but unfortunately, the Dutch league has become less and less attractive for players to play at or play in um, because there's barely any money to be made. We're a small country, 17 million uh, people living there. 
um, obviously less people even watch it. Uh, so it's not attractive for, um, uh, for companies to invest in. And therefore, because there's not that much money to be made uh, at an early, early, early age, uh, you see that players leave the Netherlands to, uh, to be signed for the big teams in the big leagues uh, throughout Europe. Uh, so that's a shame. Um, when it comes to technology, um, I think the U.S. is way ahead of the Netherlands in terms of adapting technology to get data from the game or from game situations. And that is something that the Netherlands can still uh, learn. No, that's really cool because, you know, as a professional soccer player, I'm always arguing about the eye test versus analytics and how you sort of mesh the two. Um, is going to be important for the development, not only of, you know, young kids in America, but globally as well. So specifically with FitLight, um, talk about how you guys are implementing it with the teams that you guys work with today. So knowing that FitLight Trainer is lights and a tablet, and with a tablet, you can program the lights any way you want, any color, any time, uh, you can hit the lights, you can pass by a light, so it's motion uh, sensor based and impact sensor based. Um, knowing that towards soccer, if you have four lights in each corner or one light in each corner of a goal, when the light goes on, you need to kick the ball against that light. So you use it as a target, easy to understand. Now you have a light, uh, let's say in the middle circle, you run past that light and now one of those four lights is being triggered. So you can program the lights to do multiple things uh, uh, sequentially. You can also use the lights to just run past them to measure your time, your speed. So it's a split time test. You do a 40 yard dash, put one light on each 10 yards, you get your light, uh, your time on each 10 yards. Now, let's say you're my coach, you pass the ball to me. I have one light on my left side, or I have one light on my right side. Very easy. Whenever a light goes on, I deactivate it with my hand. And in the meantime, I'm, I'm passing the ball back to you. Now, when the light is red, I need to use my right hand. When the light is green, I need to use my left hand. The, right, uh, the red color could be on my left side, so I have to flip over. So now I have to think and adding, I'm adding all these cognitive tasks to an existing workout, passing the ball back and forth, which is very easy. I'm adding all these cognitive tasks to an existing workout. So I'm able to process all the different information that I'm getting from the lights, from my coach, faster than, I'm, than I used to. So in a game where you have your teammates, where you have the opponents, where you have your coach, the fans, whatnot, all these uh, um, stimuli that you're getting, if you're able to process that information faster than your opponent, then you're able to think faster, move faster, and therefore be proactive. If you take that back to the, the Dutch soccer, uh, like the modern day uh, total football, obviously if, you, if you're proactive, if you know where the ball is gonna be, if you know where you need to be when your teammate has the ball, because that's, it's, it's obviously it's always important to know what to do with the ball, mm -hmm. but it's just as important to know what to do without the ball. No, that's a great uh, explanation. And, you know, just thinking of it makes me want to, like, test it out because, <laughs> you know, as a center midfielder, this is all you need to do. Like, it's all about reaction time. It's all about understanding awareness. You, don't, you know, it's not like football or basketball where you can set up a timeout and come out with a play. You need to be thinking on the dot, on the spot, reaction, um, creating space, 
all in a second's notice. So if you think 45 minutes long, exactly. If you think about some of the best center midfielders or players for that matter, uh, Javi, you know, Iniesta, Messi, um, these, these players that are able to like look at a situation while the ball's coming and react. Um, I, I understand why this, this product would be beneficial for, uh, many athletes specifically in soccer. I remember a game, um, my team Feyenoord played the European Super Cup after they won the UEFA Cup against Real Madrid. And it was the Real Madrid of Zidane as a player, uh, Roberto Carlos. And uh, uh, pretty fast I was, uh, uh, I saw that we're not gonna win that game. So <laughs> I just sat back, enjoyed Monaco, and I just were, was watching um, Zinedine Zidane on the midfield without the ball. So Feyenoord would have the ball. The only thing he would do is take one step to the left. They couldn't pass the ball that way. Take two steps to the right. They couldn't pass the ball that way. He was doing so little, and the outcome was, was huge for the game. It was unbelievable to see how smart a player can be, and that is really what makes a difference. No, so um, obviously this year has been crazy. Can you talk about how FitLight has helped teams through during this COVID uh 19 pandemic because you know with a product like this and as sports tech products and technology continues to advance um you know soccer teams are using these these models these products to help enhance the player you're seeing cristiano ronaldo messi uh, after logging thousands of miles over the course of their careers on their bodies using sort of products like these to help them you know perform at a higher level um while they get older so can you talk about how you've helped the teams that you guys work with um, during this time? Uh, yes. So it was interesting for us to see. Obviously, we've never encountered anything like this. Um, first, it was very quiet. I think the first two weeks of March. And then people started to come up with creative ideas on how to um, uh, work in this new normal, this new situation. So we've found a way to uh, um, downsize our system. Our system comes anywhere between a four and a 24 light system, which the amount of lights. So we were able to downsize the system in terms of hardware. So not a case, but with a smaller bag. So it's, it was less money. Um, and then we would sell maybe 10 or 20 systems to one team and then their strength and conditioning coach or their physical therapist would sit at home with all the players sitting at home, wherever. Uh, he would come up like we're doing now with a video call. He would come up with certain exercises and the players would replicate them at home and then either show the data or they would uh, share one account. So the strength and conditioning coach can just log in online and watching his own dashboard what his players are doing so it's more so it's not uh, uh, that the um, players stayed physically trained but it was more to keep them their minds uh, trained and busy uh, to fight that fatigue that you get uh, uh, from sitting at home all day no that's really important and like from from your standpoint, you know, soccer, there's many different ways to play. You know, the Dutch system, it's 4-3-3. Um, you have, you know, Spanish system, total football, which, you know, stem from 
uh, one of the greats, uh, Johan Cruyff. You got um, South American style. You got African style. There's all these different styles of play. In your opinion, you know, you know, working with Fitlight, where do you see Fitlight coming into play from the standpoint of different styles of play? If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, it's interesting. Our system is so versatile that you can use it on the pitch to create, to replicate game situations to, um, let's say, a wide drill, which is very common in American football, but also in football, it's your typical agility drill as you run towards a certain point, a light, or once you pass that one light, there's one light in the far back and in the far left and one in the far right. And whatever light goes on, you have to change mm -hmm. direction and run towards. And then while you're running towards that light, another light can go on, so you have to change your direction again. That's easy to understand uh, for people. But as a, for example, if you're a defender, it's maybe not as important to do that specific drill as it is more important to focus on if in front of you when a player comes towards you and you have to actually tackle or defend the ball. Um, Two or three days ago, I think, um, voted best defender in Italy, Stefan de Vrij, uh, from my team for Feyenoord, so I'm very <laughs> proud of that. But he's a big advocate for our, our system. He's one of the fastest uh, in footwork in terms of agility. He just puts lights in front of him, five lights, and he constantly deactivates the lights just by kicking over them. And that gives him the ability to change very quickly uh, uh, not in a big space, but in a in a small space to react to if an attacker comes towards you with the ball. No, that, 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 thank you so much because I feel like if I was a coach, you know, something like this product and there's many different products, you know, if I wanted to do like a pressing system, I would set up lights all around the field and make sure, you know, all right, what do we do when we have, when the left back has it versus what do we do with the right back? And when do we press? How do we press? I think as you incorporate, you know, products like Fitlight, it makes it easier than, you know, just having cones on the field or just having dummies. Um, and I think it's really important that you have that kind of gamification because at the end of the day, it's all about what you do in the game. Correct. And as a coach, let's say you would only work with one light and you have the light uh, somewhere on your training pitch and whatever, if it's red, you're going to press... If it's green, you're going to defend uh, really whatever task you give to certain colors. You can tell the players to execute that and see if they still remember what the different tasks are with the different colors. No, that's what it's all about. So thank you so much for sharing, you know, what you got going on with Fitlight. Where do you see it moving forward? You know, sports tech is here to stay. Um, it's only going to continue to grow. You guys are expanding in the U.S. market. Um, you guys got a lot of cool things coming up. Uh, wh what's the vision? I think the, for as far as it's not already, um, and that's a big advantage here in the U.S., every big sports team has a vision trainer. Uh, it's all about cognitive training. It's all about training your brain. In the end, with how many people live here, 360 million, in the end, you'll always be able to come up with 11 or 22 or 50 great players in whatever sport you're doing. But if 
you're not as physically as as able to to play a certain sport but if you're mentally able to then you'll always have an advantage it's the same in basketball not always the biggest players are the best players uh even if 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 your height gives you an advantage the same in soccer and more in soccer the more clever you are the better uh, player you are and it doesn't mean that it will take away from putting in that hard work every single day because that's something you'll always have to do and all the athletes already do but now um, return to play concussion rehab uh, if you're injured keep your brain uh, um, active or even right before you go on to uh, uh, the pitch work with the lights for 30 seconds you get your brain going and you feel that energy uh, entering your body no, so, but to answer your question sorry the the future i think it's vision training and also in combination with a lot of virtual reality uh, i think uh, um, the goggles will um, uh, come up or will introduce a whole new level of uh, brain training no, that's what it's all about. And, I've, you know, I've already seen a lot of iterations, you know, specifically in baseball and football with like stimulations and simulation um, um, training and with FitLight on the soccer field, I think it's only going to continue to grow. You touched on a great point, though, you know, the battle between uh, mental training and physical training. Um, I know El can attest to this. One of the biggest things that happens in American soccer is like, what if our best athletes played uh, soccer? Like, where would it all go? How does FitLight um, kind of combat that notion? And where do you see that, especially specifically coming from Holland, where, you know, you don't have players that are, you know, football players or basketball players competing with soccer? I, I, I'm not sure if I understand what you uh, what you're asking. Okay, so essentially, sorry, I get on tangents sometimes. So essentially, in America, like one of the biggest things is if our best athletes played soccer, we would win the World Cup, you know, because we have like football. Or... Yeah. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Right. So okay. We have basketball, we have football, we have baseball. If we had those top guys like LeBron, um, Tom Brady, uh, name some, uh, just all these athletes that, Dwayne Wade, all these athletes, if they play soccer, then United States soccer team would win everything. Do you believe that to be true? First of all, I'd love to see it. Uh, <laughs> uh, a guy that's uh, how how tall is LeBron? Is he seven? Uh, I don't know. I, I'd, love, I'd love to see that. Um, I don't think so. Uh, I think soccer is uh, a sport on its own. Um, you see a lot of basketball players that are good, for example, at baseball. I think I, I see the similarities maybe with American football. But with soccer, it's it's such a different sport in terms of positioning wise. Obviously, the, uh, the there's constant plays. The, it, it's, it never really stops, other than now with the MLS is back to tournament with uh, some uh, uh, drinking uh, uh, breaks. So, I think that the type of athlete that's uh, needed for soccer is a completely different athlete than. The, the physical athletes in, for example, um, football, American football or uh, basketball. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I battle with everybody on that question. I think it's, uh, it's a hard question to answer because obviously um, it's completely different sports. I do know that a lot of 
um, athletes that have excelled in other sports um, credit playing soccer in their youth years, like for the footwork and stamina and ability to, you know, just understand their body control um, has helped them in other sports. Uh, but thank you so much. We really appreciate you sharing more about FitLight. Uh, we're definitely going to have, you know, your information regarding um, the product and how people can uh, find more out more about it. Um, but with that being said, L, let's take us to the next topics. Yeah, so let's switch gears a little bit um, get into some some fun stuff, right? Some rapid fire questions for you. So you mentioned Robin Van Persie as being your favorite player. So who's your favorite player of all time? Would it be him or would it be somebody else? Uh, um, I, I would say Maradona. Oh, okay. Respect. It's uh, even though after his active career, well, even while uh, during his active career, he kind of uh, sidetracked to being a, a, a different athlete. But <laughs> what he did to the game, um, and and looking at Messi now, obviously uh, Ronaldo. Uh, I yeah. It, there's only one Maradona. Um, in his time, he was, it, it's like what, even though LeBron is my favorite basketball player, it's like what Jordan did to, to uh, basketball is what Maradona did to soccer, I think. And uh, some people will argue that it's Pele, but uh, for me, it's Maradona. Respect. His documentary on HBO was amazing, by the way. Yes. Yeah. All right, so kind of staying in that vein, um, with you being being from um, the Netherlands, what, what will your top eleven all time Dutch players be? So, like, you had to put a team together of the all time greatest Dutch players. In in your opinion, what yep. would your eleven your eleven be? And not players that played in the Netherlands, but Dutch players. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, Van Persie would be in there for sure. Um, Willem van Hanegem. Um, uh, I'm sure you like it, Al. Uh, Dennis Burkamp, uh, for sure. Yep. Um, uh, Paul Bosveld might not be very famous, but he was a, a midfielder that was re relentless, um, like a like a steam train, as we would say, just going, 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 going. Um, Johan Cruyff, obviously. Uh, he he changed the game for uh, for the Netherlands uh, as a coach. It would be um, Dick Advocaat. I don't know if you guys know him. He's the, he's actually the current coach of Feyenoord. He's done a great lot for uh, for the national for the uh, Dutch soccer in general. Um, wow, that's a good question. You're giving us a Dutch masterclass on players. Oh, wow. Um, so let me think. Um, uh, Koen Malijn over Kindval. Uh, no, sorry, Koen Malijn. He won the first European one cup for the Netherlands, for, for Feyenoord. Um, they really changed the game. Um, it would be Giovanni van Bronckhorst. Also, uh, Arsenal play and final legend. Um, it would be Frank de Boer, uh, Ajax legend. Um, unfortunately, as a coach, uh, failed <laughs> miserably after he left uh, Ajax, 
even though he uh, he won, I think the titles five or six times in a row with Ajax. After yeah. that, he failed miserably. Uh, yeah, I'm an I'm an Atlanta United fan as well, so I'm familiar with him. <laughs> and it's a shame. It's he really has a great vision, but he's so so focused on his vision that he's not focused on the the, the human part of of soccer. I think. Or as a coach, maybe Hughes Hiddink, who did great things with uh, obviously Chelsea, um, with uh, the Korean team, uh, with Russia, with Australia, and the Dutch team. Um, yeah, those are some great players. No, Ryan no, Robin no, make a team. No, Van Basten. Oh, yeah, yeah, Van Basten, Rijkaard, Gullet, uh, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. About Iron Robin, I've never been a fan. <laughs> Two things: uh, they don't call him the die for nothing. It's um, one. I mean, yeah, he's 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 made out of fragile glass, I think, and he should have scored against Spain in the World Cup final in South Africa and then the Netherlands would have won the, their first World Cup uh, in history and they didn't yeah. and in the end that's the only thing that uh, that lingers what about some of the new school guys how do you feel about like Virgil van Dijk why not well Two players, great players. Uh, I'm surprised how much Wijnaldum grew after he left the Netherlands. Um, he became a, a, a total player, like, and, and a leader in the field. Um, also, uh, yeah, on and off the pitch, he became a leader, even though he was uh, still young. And Van Dijk, uh, wow, yeah, you, you cannot pass him, I think. The, the championship for um, for Liverpool is a great deal because of uh, those two players for sure, and obviously Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, there's a lot of really good uh, Dutch players out there. You you have you guys um, from Ajax who came over. Um, uh, was it Delit and um, Oh Delit, Frankie De Jong? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, De Ligt is interesting to see that in the beginning he didn't do that well in uh, at Juventus, but now he nobody is able to pass him. And as a def uh, defender, he's uh, yeah, he's very good. Yeah, got to settle in a little bit. Yeah, so, who do you think is a better long. center midfielder? Would it be uh, Van de Vaart or Schneider? Schneider. Okay, why? Because I know they were battling all throughout their careers, so I wanted to. Uh, I think uh, uh, Snyder is a more uh, a com a complete player. Okay. Um, they're both very, very good. Obviously, uh, they had they both had great careers, but I think Snyder is, uh, yeah, more of a complete player and more. Um, and maybe the stats will, will will correct me, but I think he scored also more goals than uh, than Van der Vaart. Okay, I like that. I'll have to look that up. So you mentioned, I think this is offline, that you guys are working with uh, Inner Miami out here. Um, so speaking of MLS as a league, um, who do you think are some of like top Dutch players in the MLS? Or do you know of any? 
Not that many. I know Le Dom uh, uh, won um, last year um, with Seattle. He's a so the thing is, I, I whenever a player goes to the MLS uh, from the Netherlands, it's not uh, an, uh, to, to take the next step. It's usually a step back with all due respect. Um, so I'm more interested to see what the Dutch coaches are doing in the MLS than the players. Um, now we still have Jaap Stom uh, with Cincinnati, who came from Feyenoord to Cincinnati, actually. Um, I'm very curious to see how he's going to do. Not that positive. I thought Frank de Boer would have done better with Atlanta. Unfortunately, not. Um, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So can I return the question? Do you guys yes. have a favorite Dutch player in the MLS? Or in general, uh, who's your favorite Dutch player uh, ever? Ooh, ever. Um, That's a good question. Well, my, my, my soccer lineage doesn't go back as far as maybe a Moby's. Um, I, I got into the game around 2012, so my guys will okay. be probably a little a little more new school. Um, I'm going to have to say Van Dyke because he's probably the one that I'm most familiar with, um, like watching their, their playing career or getting okay. a, a more up-close uh, view of their playing career. I'm going to go with Van Dyke. All right. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, I got a whole bunch of players like Edgar Davids, uh, Van Boston, uh, Patrick Kluver, and only because I play like Nintendo uh, World Cup '98. <laughs> so these are like some of the players that came up. Uh, but like more more new school, Van Persie, like he was so cold. Uh, I'm a Chelsea fan, so I had to follow Robin. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And then Van Bar- uh, Van Bronkers, just because like he was like one of the most humble, most consistent players, you know, you can always count on him. So I liked his game a lot. But that's interesting because if you look at somebody like Van Bronckhorst, if you look at him, you don't think he's this top athlete. No. However, apparently he was so clever in the game that, yeah, uh, well, it goes without saying that he's a, he's a legend. Yeah, it's, 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 just, it's like that battle, you know, you said, you know, a physicality or mental capacity, you know. Um, being able to mesh the two or, you know, using one over the other to compensate for uh, your your faults. It's, uh, it's really yeah. amazing. If you look at Ronaldo and Messi, I know it's 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 not a comparison because you can't, and they're both ex- ex- exquisite. But if you look at how physical Ronaldo is and like with the famous jump he made, what was it, last season or the season before, where with the header, he, he literally, I think he jumped, as high as LeBron uh, could, it's, it's unbelievable that somebody can train that much that as a regular size player, you can um, uh, create that for yourself. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. That... No. Yeah, so, so speaking of Van Persie and Robin and Arsenal and Chelsea, um, this past weekend, you know, we had the FA Cup <laughs> final, <laughs> Arsenal versus Chelsea. Um, with, with my team Arsenal defeating them two one, that I predicted correctly. Um, <laughs> that's that score. So, um, and also it looks like there's another double agent headed our way um, in Willian. So first it was Agent Louise, um, <laughs> Peter Check, Louise, yeah, Peter Check, 
And now, now it looks like Williams headed over um, on a reported three-year deal for 100k a week. Um, okay. And it's basically basically what Inter Miami offered him, and he rejected. Um, and so, there's a question about that. So, William mentioned that he would be interested in playing in MLS, but he wants to wait till he's 35, 36, um, versus coming over now when he's what is he like 31? Yeah, he's 31 right now. Um, So it seems like there's there's still a skewed idea of the MLS being like a retirement league um, per se, although the league is changing and they're they're focusing more on developing players and, you know, selling them off. Um, So do you think that was a good idea for uh, William to kind of reject reject the the Miami deal um, in, in terms of like trying to stick around Europe a little bit longer? And do, and do you think he would have opportunity here in the MLS after um, after this reported Arsenal contract is up? Um, yes, I think it's good for him that he stays in Europe. As much as I would love to see great players come to the MLS and to Inter Miami specifically, because I, from the moment they announced that they were going to start in the MLS, I decided to... Uh, pick into Miami as my new American uh, mm-hmm. uh, soccer team. Obviously, it's it's a shame what happened. And I think they didn't get a fair chance to start because COVID hit and they, they're not really a team. And especially in soccer, you really need to be a team, especially if you're talking about total football, obviously. Uh, to, to go back to your question, uh, I get it that players still... Players, I think, from Europe decide to play in MLS if they're going to retire here or if the city where they're going to play uh, offer them money. But I think if, if money is a, you can make a lot of money still in, in Europe, even if you're not one of the best players. That's right. So if, if the situation where you're going to live, like any play or anybody in Europe would want to live, for example, in Miami, but if you're going to live in Seattle where it rains uh, um, 75% of uh, the year, that you, the, the financial part side of it needs to be good. And it, it's always, a, it's the same with, as a Dutch player, if you're 16 and Chelsea comes and offers uh, you a contract and offers your dad a contract to, to work, and all of a sudden you're able to make millions, you're, you have to be very strong to say no. And um, uh, I think it's the, the, the same for... Uh, um, the same goes the other way around. Uh, a team here in the MLS needs to offer a lot of money for a player to say, okay, I'll come and set my um, uh, sport goals from the competitive side of the, the, the story aside. Because in the end, if you're a true athlete, you also want to play the sport that you do. So if you're a good soccer player, you want to get better. And where do you get better? At this moment, still in Europe. Yeah, so I got a follow-up question to that because, um, you know, you came from Europe. So what's the what's the the viewership? Like, are, are, are games on TV, you know, MLS games? Are you guys seeing uh, media or um, cover soccer in the States? Uh, yes, however, um, because of the time difference, it's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. 
because there's, for example, I'm in Miami Eastern time uh, with the Netherlands, a six hour time difference. So if a game here, like tonight, the game is at what, eight, eight thirty, six hours uh, ahead is the Netherlands. So it's almost impossible to watch a game live. Okay. Me personally, I don't like watching games when it's not live. I don't sit down and, and watch a game on a, on a recap. But what I, uh, on the weekend, sometimes people would do it if it's a day game. Uh, so yes, it is broadcasted. Yes, it's getting more popular. And that's why it's also good that, uh, for example, David Beckham is involved here in the MLS because obviously he has a great stature all over the world that people like Ibrahimovic go to LA, uh, Los Angeles Galaxy, um, uh, Rain Rooney to DC United, um, um, uh, Schweinsteiger, because those are all names that Europeans will look at um, and the Dutch coaches. So it's, it's, it's getting there. It's way better than it was five years ago, for sure. Um, but there's still a long way to go. Okay. So to that and, point. And, uh, and, and sorry, there's one more thing that I would like to add, and that's also mm -hmm. personally a big difference compared to Europe, uh, is sports in general in the U.S. is it's all about entertainment. Um, also outside the game. Uh, the, the fans, everything is about being entertained. So in, in Europe, you might watch a game where it's raining, where, where the stadium looks terrible, where, but you feel that, the, that it's um, more about the game than it's about the entertainment, about the money being made. Mm -hmm. And I feel that it's changing in MLS. I feel that the fans are becoming more passionate and more really soccer fans as opposed to just sports fans. Um, and that would be a good thing too. No, that makes yeah, sense. So, so one thing I was going to ask is, um, you mentioned some of the appeal of like a European player coming over here to play. Um, I remember, I think it was a year or so ago, um, Lukaku did a, an interview saying that a lot more players would come over in their prime if, there was no salary cap on the league. Um, do you believe something like that to be true? Like, is there like enough appeal to America for like some of these players to come over like in their twenties or like mid twenties, like their prime years, um, if there was no salary cap on the MLS league? In the end, for a lot of people, and it's it's sports and it's outside sports. Money is a big motivator. Um, a lot of transfers also in Europe have been made just for the sake of money. <laughs> uh, why would you Why would you go to China in the prime of your uh, career? Well, if you can make uh, 25 million a year, then it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if within one, if you're a mediocre player and within one year, you can make sure that you and your entire family is, is financially secured for the rest of their lives, why would you say uh, no? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's always a possibility that if you stay in Europe and in two games, uh, your your knee uh, gets hit, you're out for the rest of uh, your life, and you can't play soccer on a high level anymore, then what? And that's a big difference between the U.S. and, um, and for example, the Netherlands too. In the Netherlands, all the big teams, they focus on from the youth academy on all the players need to get their degree and without a degree they're not allowed to play in the first team 
because God forbid something happens, then you always can fall back to the studied or the um, uh, the things you learn in school, so you're at least able to get a proper a regular job. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's very smart. And when here in the MLS, you can't uh, uh, relegate, for example. So that's also I feel a thing for um, soccer players that the, the motivation might be less if towards the end of the season you're not going to make it anymore. Then meh, doesn't really matter because next season will be in the Try same. Again next year, yeah. That's, we can go on a whole different discussion on pro pro relegation. You know, there's a lot of people that go back and forth on the benefits and the cons about about that, especially. Uh, state side. I agree. Definitely. So I know we got off on a little tangent. Um, so let's let's circle back to the FA Cup a little bit. I know Amobi, you had some comments <laughs> you wanted to make uh, about oh, the yeah. game. So. <laughs> well, I know uh, Rob didn't watch all all of the game, but uh, these refs, uh, Kovacic, um, the replay showed that he actually got stepped on, and for some reason, Arsenal. Um, was able to go away free, and uh, we were a man down. Um, it's cool. You know, Arsenal's FA Cup champions, once again. Uh, we'll give you guys your due. Um, now you guys have qualified for Europa League, I believe, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, it's about time we got some calls going our way. <laughs> but, like, I'll, I'll, I'll be real with you. After Pulisic scored that, that first goal, I was a little shook. I thought it was going to be a long day, but um, he would have scored we, that second helped. if he didn't get his hamstring pull. If he didn't pull his hamstring, yeah. So, uh, hate hate to see him go down, um, <laughs> but I think that that definitely kind of helped swing the momentum for us a little bit. Like, I think we really we really needed this with the season we had. We had three coaches this year. Um, it, it seems like the year has been so long because because of the COVID stop, yeah. um, but. People don't realize like we had three managers. Yeah, that's year. wild. I forgot about yeah. I forgot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. Arteta just joined recently. So um So are you guys like, gonna give I, him the I, back? Are you guys gonna give him the back to spend this summer or what? I think he's gonna invest a lot of money. Let's hope. I hope so. I hope so. Hopefully we can move out some of the dead weight and you know, free up some money so that we can like get the people that we need. Like we are already talking about getting Willie in. Um I hear we're in for the center back, I forget his name, Gabriel, who plays for Lille. Um, I hear we're, we're, we're in for him. Um, Thomas Party is still on the table. We're still trying to play around with him. Coutinho might be on the table still. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. Rob, I got a question for you. Uh, Chelsea Arsenal, if you were to use uh, uh, Fitlight with them, um, which, comp- which, which club are you choosing? At Chelsea, because they're actually using our lights. Oh, okay. No, I think Arsenal <laughs> uses our lights too, but uh, in general, I've always been more attracted to Chelsea than to Arsenal. Yeah, smart decision, you know. Mm. <laughs> uh, Moving <yeah>. on. Um, <laughs> now, now it's time to get into one of our favorite games on the show. Uh, no card, yellow card, red card. Um, this is kind of a rapid fire segment of the show where we uh, throw out a topic and we get our guests in a Moby's opinion um, and they rate their opinion based on you know the soccer card system. So no card means I agree with it. I'm okay with it. 
Yellow card means uh, it's a foul. I can go either way, um, but I'll let it slide. And red card means, of course, I don't agree with it. You know, game over, you're off the field. Uh, so right. jumping right into it, um, Brazilian midfielder Arthur goes AWOL ahead of his $70 million um, dollar move to Juventus, cutting out on the remainder of Barcelona's Champions Champions League campaign. So what do you guys think about that? Red card. How would you rate that? Uh, Red for card, me, Rob? Yeah. Uh, you want to go in further to explain? I, I think as a professional, you shouldn't. Yeah, respect. Uh, for me... Uh, <laughs> I, I go yellow card, you know, uh, Barcelona, they, they promised them a lot of things. I don't want to say promise, but they, you know, they, they fought to get them, you know, from Brazil. They didn't really give him a fair shake during the season. And then they gave him the short end of the stick. So he wants to go to Juventus, not risk any injury. Um, you know, make sure he's healthy. Uh, amongst other reasons, he probably wants to stick it to him as well. Um, yeah, I'll give him a yellow card. Like, he, he, he didn't have to do it, but I'm not going to be mad at him for doing it, you know? That's actually very, uh, very well explained. So I might uh, <laughs> go towards a yellow now. <laughs> As a yeah. player, you got to protect yourself too, because he's, he's. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, he can't move over. He can't move over to Juventus until September, September 1st, I believe. So he has a whole month uh, either. Either you don't play or you play and risk getting injured. So I would say yellow card on that as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. All right. All right. <laughs> Next one. Uh, Premier League club, no card, yellow card, red card. Premier, Premier League clubs reject allowing five substitutions next season. Uh, for, for me, I'll go. Uh, no card, I think, is good. Um, get, get it back to how it was, I think. Um, now that I don't want to say COVID is over, but now the routine of how the games are going to go, they're going to get back on a better schedule. Um, I think it's, I think it's good Yeah, get it back to how it was. I'd go for yellow. I agree with, with you. However, um, I'm always in favor to, to try new things. And there are definitely some positive sides to having five substitutions. Um, it's changing the game. Not everybody likes that, but uh, it might be a good thing to try. Um, if things are really going back to normal, no COVID whatsoever, then uh, okay, fine. Uh, but who knows? Maybe it's, uh, it, it turns out to be a great um, um, incentive for the sport. That's true. That's good. Yeah. And I think uh, the majority ruled against it because it would allow um, some of the bigger teams to have more of an advantage. So since they have, you know, better depth, they can bring on, you know, <laughs> better depth yeah. players yeah. and really take over a game. So I think that was another reason why they just want to go back to the regular. I see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. As long as they're not doing timeouts. So, they, you know. <laughs> Water breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are you what, what do you guys think about the like technology in terms of the VAR and uh, yeah goal line technology? It, like the mod the modern mod modernization of football. Goal line technology. I don't know why they just don't just have like a radar and like once it crosses the line, like like hockey, just have it above it. 
yeah, we don't need to go to the camera. We don't need to spend five minutes. Uh, I'm like a conspiracy theorist. So I just think it's all a ploy to start in incorporating commercials. You know, they do VAR, you know, right. situations. I think that's what it is. Um, goal line technology could easily get fault, uh, could easily get solved if you just do the hockey model. Um, VAR, um, I mean, you have like five refs on the field and then you got the people in the booth. They can get it. They they get it yeah, they, they have headsets. Like, get it right on immediately. I just I don't like the stops, to be honest. So Me I love neither. I love that they're trying to make it better in terms of getting the right calls. But that's the that's the beauty of soccer. It's like the flow of the game. The but if there's goal. millions involved, <laughs> exactly. So we'll see. You know, we'll see. That's a great question. Yeah, I'm more of a I'm more of a fan of since I'm kind of a, I'm a designer by trade. So I'm more of a fan of like the in-game presentation and experience. So I, so I tend to pay attention to that a lot. Um, so like what the MLS did uh, with the MLS's back um, cup in the way that they kind of um, created like a home away um, atmosphere with the um, digitally imposed advertising and stuff like that. So allowing local advertisers to still kind of um, return, get a return on their investment um, while while the teams aren't playing in their home markets, I thought that was pretty clever. Um, the Adidas logo in the middle of the field was a little distracting, but I do like um, maybe like superimposing stats and things like that um, dynamically throughout the game. I think that could be cool. Um, but yeah, from a technology standpoint, um, VAR it can be better. Um, I have mixed feelings about it because it hasn't gone our way um, <laughs> all that often, but. You know, it, it is what it, it's still opinion at the end of the day. Um, you know, we as fans, we want we want to give our team the best advantage possible. So even if like his toe was slightly offside, like we don't know how much of an of an advantage that gives him. You know, yeah. why why would you why would you call that goal back? You know, that's true. If VAR was around, you know, uh, Spain might have won uh, a little bit easier in 2010 World Cup after that tackle. So you know. <laughs> you, you mean uh, uh, De Jong? Wow, yeah. that was. If I, if I see that now, it's yeah, it's it's a miracle that guy was still standing. It's oh, it's unbelievable. I well, know. Rob, we want to thank you so much for taking time to join us on the uh, podcast. You know, uh, for the audience, like, where can they find you if they want to get connected with you? Uh, www.fitlighttraining.com for uh, Fitlight. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, Rob Bao. Uh, yeah. Nah, thank you so much. And that's it for another episode of Two Cents FC. Sub sub subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. Check us out, our merch shop, Two Cents Sports.shop. It helps support the show. Um, episode 10. We love it every week of it. Uh, tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me and L to discuss. And once again, thank you, Rob. And thank you to our lovely fans that follow the channel. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate it. That was fun. That was fun.